among us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Howdy, strangers. I sure do appreciate you circling back for another episode. And boy, do I have a good one lined up for you. I just got back late last night from a very short trip to my home state of Ohio. I got to spend a little holiday time with my family. But we're back and ready to roll maybe a few hours late. So that said, let's waste no time in getting started. And let's begin with Nikki, out of America's Men. Hey Derek, this is Nikki. I'm from Michigan. I have a few stories I've been wanting to call in about, but this one in particular, I've heard a couple of stories on the show that reminded me of it, so I figured I would just call in. This past August was my wedding anniversary, and my husband and I decided to go camping for it. It was just the two of us. We went to this tiny little campsite, maybe like 20 sites total. There's one little dirt road that goes around in a circle, and not much else. (laughs) We got there on a Thursday night, so it was pretty quiet. There's maybe two sites being used besides ours. So we ended up going to the very back of the campground, and the road kind of goes in a circle. So in the middle of it, there's maybe like a 10-foot spot with a little water pump and a couple brushes, but like tree brush, but nothing much else. So we were like across the dirt road from that little circle at the end. And we were sitting there, it was the end of the night, we were by the fire, listening to a podcast. My husband was up in a hammock in the tree and I could hear him start snoring, playing as he was asleep. And I decided... I would just wait for the end of this podcast and then put the fire out and go to bed. It was getting dark out. The moon was just rising. You know, like you could see the moonlight coming through the trees and it was light, but everything else was dark around us. There's no streetlights, no town, nothing like that. So I don't know why. I just happened to turn to my side and look over in that circle with the brush and the water pump. And there was like a black thing in the middle of that area. And it was a big, big, it looked like probably eight feet tall and just like a huge rectangular black shape. And I could tell it was one single thing because it blocked out that moonlight that was coming all around it to the trees. I froze. (laughs) I didn't know what it was. I was staring at it trying to figure out what it was. And it did not move. You know, initially I thought, oh, maybe it's a black bear or something. But it, it wasn't moving. So it couldn't have been an animal. There was no noise. There was nothing. But every single hair on my body stood up, and I was instantly so scared. I didn't know what to do. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to draw attention to me. So I kind of just casually put the fire out and went to bed and didn't really think much of it. The next morning when I woke up, that was the first thing I thought of. And I got up right away and got out of the tent and looked. And sure enough, it was just like it was the day before. There was nothing there. No building, no anything and I walked over there right away in the morning and there was no tracks of animals or vehicles and I never heard anything move in the night I don't know I don't know what it was I asked my husband about it the next morning and he like didn't really know what I was talking about you know and he just kind of laughed at me (laughs) and we stayed there for the rest of the weekend nothing else ever happened I never saw anything like it again the next night I was paying attention because I was concerned you know something might be out there but yeah I don't know nothing ever happened it was just really weird and I've heard a few stories like I said about dark objects so I thought I would share mine 
I really love the show, and like I said before, I have a few other stories to call back about. Most of them happen out in the woods in Michigan, so <laughs> be ready for that, I guess. But thank you for all your work, and I hope to Thank you, Nikki. Every camper's nightmare. A mysterious silhouette. Now, in all the years that I've been camping, I've yet to experience anything like that. But we've heard plenty of other accounts that include nearly that exact same detail. So let's go ahead and break down Nikki's call here. She had mentioned that the shape was there throughout the night, but gone in the morning. And to me, that suggests something living, or at the very least, mobile. Now, the first thought that I had was that this was someone standing there watching. Someone trying to intimidate the campers. Or maybe a creeper standing post in hopes of getting a peek inside the tent. And as creepy as either of those concepts are, they might not be the creepiest. Given the location of this encounter and the high number of black bears in the area, I wonder if a hungry bear didn't stand there for a spell, doing his best to figure out how to get food without causing a ruckus. And if you don't already know, let me share with you why that concept is terrifying. Tonight, a bear has been euthanized after park officials say that it ripped through a tent injuring a woman and child. Happened at the Elkmont campground over the weekend. Park rangers say the bear was drawn to the campground by smells of food and that there was dog food inside of the tent. The bear weighed about 350 pounds, which they say is not normal for this time of year. Evidence it had access to human food and was conditioned to be comfortable around people. A 350-pound bear will certainly make a large silhouette, and I assume look pretty boxy in the process, just as Nikki described. Now, that clip was courtesy of WVLT, CBS News 8 out of East Tennessee. And although the bear encounter took place in Tennessee, bears are found all over the country, including in Michigan. But of course, it very easily could have been something else. Another animal, perhaps. The question we then need to ask ourselves is this. Outside of people and bears, what else in America's Midwest would mess with humans in a tent? I think you all know where this is going. Your encounter happened at this location? Happened at this campsite right here where we're at. All right, well, tell us what happened. It was on an outing last August. Actually, somebody had seen a Bigfoot that night. Uh, So we had uh, all gathered together to hear the story. At about two o'clock in the morning, people went back to their campsites. And I walked up to the tent. I sat down, I zipped the tent. And I heard right away, shuffling around my tent and then sides of the tent started to shake. And then I heard it walk that way out of the campsite. And how long did the pushing go on for? It was probably a good minute and a half. It got to a point where the entire tent was going, wow. Now that encounter took place in nearby Wisconsin and comes courtesy of Animal Planets Finding Bigfoot. And this is just one of many accounts that I've heard of over the years of campers that claim something upright and hairy crashed their campsite. I often hear reports of a massive human-like hand that pushes down on the top of a dome tent, not unlike the encounter in the Finding Bigfoot clip. So look, it could have been a lot of different things. But I know for sure, it's super creepy. Bear, stranger, Bigfoot... It really doesn't matter. But I do suppose there is one scenario where the fear can be forgotten and the fun embraced. Maybe these criminal masterminds from nearby Indianapolis are to blame. Michigan State troopers are looking 
for Bigfoot. Yeah, actually, <laughs> they're looking for a seven-foot-tall ornament that just looks like Bigfoot. Okay. Someone who lives outside Grand Rapids says their lawn ornament was actually stolen a few weeks ago. The Sasquatch is described as a large piece of sheet metal that was cut and colored to look like the mythical woodland creature. Many who live near the crime scene say they saw a white van leaving the driveway of the owner around the date of the crime. Troopers are actually searching for that van. That went property of WXIN, Fox 59, out of Indy. All kidding aside, Nikki, there are a lot of possible explanations here. But I fear, not many positive ones. Thank you again for sharing the story. Now, if you have a tale you're itching to tell, a true tale, call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Now, our next entry toys with the concept of premonition and begs more than a few questions. Joe from Canada. Welcome to the show. Hey, this is Joe from Toronto, Canada. When I was probably about 10 or 11, uh, for a couple of days, my mother would be doing laundry and do, just doing odds and ends around the house. And she always see out of the corner of, of her eye a guy or something resembling a, a, a guy in black. And all she could see was his eyes. So she'd look at it, it'd be gone. So she'd continue doing what she was doing and same thing again. She'd be, say, making supper or whatever. She'd look to the corner of her eye, at the corner of her eye, and she'd see this outline in black and she would just see his eyes. And then it'd be gone. So this happened for a couple of days. So the one day my mother goes to work and, and that, at that time she was a bank teller and she was helping a customer out and she was closing her till and she looked up and all she could see was a guy all in black. She could see his eyes and he had a gun in her face. She, she was getting held up. So that's a little strange, a little weird. Really, really enjoy the podcast. Keep up with the great work. Thanks, Joe. That's pretty wild. And it makes so much sense in hindsight. But I'm sure at the time, a ski mask was the last thing she was thinking of. Now, these sorts of stories always make me think of something. Could these quote-unquote premonitions be somehow part of our self-preservation programming? A skill or talent or inherent behavior we've only just now begun to explore and understand? Or are these warnings originally from some outside source? A guardian or a guide, if you will. Hell-bent on our survival for one reason or another. Regardless, these visions have to be coming from somewhere. And I hope your mother is doing okay, James. Talk about a scary situation. Thanks again for the call. Well, like Britney Spears, I did it again. I got sick on my flight out to Ohio. and spent a majority of my time out there under the weather. I just can't do airplanes. So anyway... That explains the weirder-than-usual voice. My apologies. But moving on. This next one is a goodie, especially if you're a fan of creepy music. So, Sean from Virginia, welcome to the platform. Hey, Derek. This is Sean. I'm calling you from Virginia, but my story actually takes place in New Jersey. To start things off, just wanted to say I'm a big fan of your show. Helped me on my drives from Virginia to New Jersey to visit family. But anyway, the story begins in about 2000. I lived in my parents' home, of course. I was uh, a teenager at the time. And one of my best friends was staying over for the evening. His name was Pete. And we were both hanging out at our house. My parents, they were off in New York City that night for a show. They were going to spend the night there. And we had free reign of the house, which as a teenage group of guys, you can imagine that's awesome. But we were 
hanging out and decided to make it a scary movie night. And we decided to watch a movie called The Others. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but The Others is, of course, a, a spooky show or movie with Nicole Kidman. And I'm not going to reveal anything. Spoiler alert. There, you know, of course, are spooky things going on. So we're watching that late in the evening. And this is back, you know, when people still watch movies on DVDs. And my friend and I fall asleep in the family living room watching this movie. Anyway, I wake up and, you know, it's 3 a.m. And we had both been passed out. And I wake up listening and I hear this, like, uh, creepy violin music playing. And the TV is on. It's actually in the, when you have DVDs, they'll often be in loop sequences at the main menu. The others just so happens to have a very, very creepy one where there's like a, a light and it, it's like a flame and flickering and steadily you see people's faces in and out of the flame. And the song that's on loop is actually a violin song. So, you know, shake it off. I'm like, well, that's creepy. My friend Pete looks at me too and also agrees that's creepy. We turn off the TV though. And sure enough, the strange violin music, which seemingly was coming from the movie, is still playing. So Pete and I just look at each other a bit bewildered, and we go up to the uh, TV and make sure the DVD player's off, TV's off, and yet still, that creepy music persists. So anyway, we, you know, we're thoroughly spooked, and no one's home, it's just us, so... We look at each other and we realize that the music is coming from across the kitchen and in the other study in my parents' house. Now, knowing the way out of my family's house, they have two recliners in there, nice leather recliners, a bunch of books, and a old stereo with like a record player and stuff. And the music is seemingly coming from that room. So at this point, you know, all the hairs are standing on end. My friend Pete and I just look at each other, our jaws drop, and, you know, a bit of bravado between he and I. We're like, all right, well, we're, we're the men of this house. we, we got to go investigate. So we ease our way there. I do <laughs> pick up a uh, kitchen knife on the way there because, you know, as one does. And we get to this room, and, you know, no lights are on in the house at this point. The only light that was on was in the family room. So we're flicking stuff on as we go. The room that we're going towards is totally dark, totally black. All the shades are shut. And the music, sure enough, is coming from there. My dad's stereo is on, and it is playing creepy, like, classical violin music, which, sure enough, my parents do often listen to, like, NPR or, you know, classical radio, jazz in the morning when they read the newspaper or their books in this room. But yeah, it, it is just eerily was in sync with the DVD. And uh, we entered the study and my friend Pete and I bravely walk over, click on all the lights, of course. And yeah, we don't know what's going on. We don't know how the stereo system or it was a you know stereo system with a record player. I have no idea how that turned on. But again, my parents did listen to classical music every Sunday while they were reading the paper. So it's not that surprising that maybe the record somehow just synced up well with the creepy music from the movie, The Others. So we turn it off and uh, we just look at each other, shake our heads like that was really weird. And, you know, at that point, I was like, all right, we should probably just go to bed. It's 3 a.m. So my friend Pete and I go back upstairs and we have like a pull-out mattress and my bed. We both call it a night, turn off the lights. And anyway, we, we go to bed. But within 20 or 30 minutes or so, you know, I can't say I looked at the clock at this point. I just know it wasn't a very long period. And right as I was starting to, to drift off, I hear the music again. Same creepy violin music coming from downstairs. And, you know, at this point, everything's dark. The lights are off. 
I whisper, I go, hey, Pete, you know, talking to Pete, are you awake? And he goes, yeah. And, you know, I could almost see the whites of his eyes in the uh, dark bedroom. We, we heard the violin music again. So take a deep breath. And uh, I, I am not uh, easy scare. I love horror movies, always have. I'm one of those guys that wishes I could see supernatural things. I'm like, where are the ghosts? Where's all the, the creepy things? And uh, maybe I'm just like not attuned where my mind's not open to it, but I never seemingly see anything cool other than this weird incident. So I grab a bat from under my bed. I keep one there. Um, can never be too safe. And uh, sure enough, Pete and I brave downstairs where the music's playing from. And we open these, uh, they're like those folding doors, like you pull them back to the study. The music's playing. This time, the blinds are open. You know, it's night out. And I'm asking, like, who's there? If someone's there, get out of my house. I say that pretty firmly. And then Pete and I look at the, the stereo, and this time we're not taking any chances. We just go and unplug the dang thing and... Again, we, we leave the lights on this time in the house when we go to bed. Sorry, Mom, Dad, about the energy bill, but uh, we go to bed. And uh, this all took place, by the way, in, in Flemington, New Jersey, for reference. And not sure if there's ever been any creepy similar incidents, but we go to bed, wake up the next day, no other creepy stuff happened. But anyway, that that's my story. You should check out Flemington. A lot of creepy stuff in that town. There is one of the most haunted hotels in America is actually there. Fun fact, as well as like a colonial home where some girl, I think, fell into a well. And uh, they said, you know, you could see her ghost sometimes. So you may want to check that out, see if you have any other stories. But uh, again, hope you like my story. I never seemingly have too many creepy events happen in my life, but that certainly had the hair raised on my neck <laughs> but nothing really else has happened outside of that anyway have a happy halloween take care Bye. happy halloween sean it's always halloween somewhere creepy tunes a staple in paranormal lore now i followed sean's advice and looked into the strange activity in and around flemington new jersey and he's 100% correct. All sorts of spooky behavior is recorded there. The Union Hotel, one of the landmarks he mentioned, was headquarters for much of the circus surrounding the Lindbergh baby kidnapping back in the 30s. Now, I don't have time to get into that story at the moment, but I did link to a short documentary produced by Weird New Jersey TV. Go take a look if you want to learn more. And thanks again, Sean, for sharing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wished that life came with a user manual? You know, I've had that thought many a time when dealing with difficult situations. Life's challenges can be overwhelming, whether it's job-related, a new relationship, or maybe family drama. And it's so easy to feel crushed under all that pressure and feel stuck or hopeless. Well, you know, I found that therapy can really help with navigating those difficult emotions or situations. Not only is it good to get things off my chest, but therapy has taught me better coping skills and helped me grow as a person. And I think it could help you too. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash monsters among us. That's betterhelp.com forward slash monsters among us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to that thing that's rummaging through your garbage. Now, we've really been hearing a lot of these doppelganger stories lately. For some reason, I've received an influx of them over the past year or so. 
So to add a new chapter to that lore, please welcome Christina from the state of Georgia. Hey, this is Chris from the Atlanta area. This isn't my story. This is actually my father-in-law's story. So we live with our in-laws for now. We're trying to build a house. And he came home from work, and I was in the bedroom, and I heard him talking to my husband, who was home from work also. So I came out, and they were both just, like, going on about something crazy. And I said, well, what happened? So my father-in-law, he said, Christina, the strangest thing happened. He said, I saw, like, a double of Mike. And I said, well, what did he look like? He said, it looked just like him. I said, you saw a doppelganger. And he never heard of it, so I explained to him what it was. And so he told me the whole story. So this was in Buford, uh, Georgia, so mall of Georgia area. And my father-in-law was taking a lunch break. And so he went to a Zaxby's or something like that. And my husband doesn't work too far from there either. So my father-in-law goes in and he thinks he sees what is my husband standing there, kind of like off from the line, like just looking at the menu to see what he's gonna get maybe. And so my father-in-law was going to go up behind him and, like, grab him and be like, hey, what are you doing? But he didn't do that. He just let him order or let him look and let him order. And then he um, was going to say hi to him when he walked towards him. So my father-in-law waits. And my the guy that looks like my husband, I guess, goes up and orders and turns around. And my father-in-law, he said, Christina, he said, that was my son. He said, that was Mike that I saw. He said, that, that was Mike. And so he said, you stood there. And he smiled at him, kind of went up to him, like he was going to say something to him. But he said, Mike, just walk right past him. And he said, he couldn't have not seen me. He said, I was close. He said, and the guy, or the guy that looked just like Mike, he said, looked at me and gave me this weird look, but like kind of like, it was just, what the heck, you weird guy, what are you doing? So he just kind of goes around me and he walks, walks out with his food and, my father-in-law was like, wow, maybe I'm mad about something. Maybe he's just having a bad day. But he said, that was Mike. He was like, I know my son. I've known him for 40-something years. She said, it looked just like him. He said he was wearing a beanie of some sort. My husband has a big beard. He had a beard. He was the same height as my husband, about 5'10". And he was wearing, like, some old blue jeans because my husband paints cars. And he had sneakers and, like, a black hoodie on. And he said it was Mike down to a T. He said, but, you know, he didn't respond or anything to him. And my husband was like, I was not, I didn't go to Zaxby's today for lunch. He said, I went somewhere else for lunch. But I was really excited to hear about this doppelganger story because I've never actually seen anything like that, you know, like myself or somebody that I knew and it wasn't them. My husband said it wasn't the first time that someone had seen his doppelganger. So this was years ago, it was probably 10 years ago, he said this happened. He was at a Waffle House and he just walked in and he was repoing trucks and stuff or repoing cars at the time. So he looked kind of rough. Um, he said he had long curly hair and just kind of disheveled looking back in the day because he spent a lot of time sitting in a truck. So he said he walked into Waffle House and one of the waitresses come, came up to him and she said, you can just go ahead and leave. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she said, last time you came in here, you didn't pay. He said, lady, I've never been in this Waffle House. And she said, no, you came in last week. He said, and you ate and you didn't pay, you stiffed us. And he said, that wasn't me. And this other lady uh, that was a waitress said that looked just like him, but different hair. And the lady was like, no, that was you. And he said, I promise. He said, that was not me that came in here. She swore up and down it was him, but he said, that wasn't me. He said, I pay for my food or my, you know, whatever I'm doing, I pay for it. And also he said it happened to him in high school when someone had invited him to a party and they invited him and then he couldn't come. And then they said they saw him like somewhere in town and were mad at him that he didn't show up. And he said, well, I was nowhere, you know, near there. So it's happened to him a couple times. So anyway, I just wanted to call and share that because I just heard a doppelganger story on your recent episode today. So anyway, yeah, my father-in-law was like, I knew it was him, and it wasn't him. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy that. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks, Chris. Okay, which is worse, being confronted by someone you don't know that claims to know you, or to see someone in public that you know 
only for them to deny ever having heard of you. Now, I imagine both of those scenarios would be pretty alienating experiences. But keep the stories coming, folks. I'm sure this is just the tip of the doppelganger iceberg. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you something. What's the worst you think a ghost or a spirit can do to you? What sort of pain do you think it can inflict on those that are around you? Give them a chill, a scratch, maybe a hair pull, or worse, it'll catch something on fire. Well, our next caller has a story that adds yet another way for them to enact their revenge. Alex from Canada. The mic is all yours. Hi, Derek. This is Alex from Halifax, Nova Scotia here. So I just wanted to share a story about my mother in particular. Growing up, she has always been fascinated with the spiritual aspect of life. And I witnessed many things living with her. So she would constantly call on spirits to make it known that they're around. And so we'd be sleeping and we would hear things in the cupboard fall down, crash. It would scare my father to death and he would yell at her to, you know, stop calling on things in the house. And so we would check, you know, we didn't have a mice problem. There wasn't rats. And these things would typically happen right after she had so to speak, conjure these these spirits up. So there was one day she was getting ready for work and she was about to leave. This was after she had once again asked if there were spirits around. She didn't receive any signs, but what happened was she went to leave for work and her door to get out of the house, she lived in kind of like a, not an apartment, but like a on the top of a store. So there was just the one door in and out. There wasn't a back door. So this door, she wasn't unable to open it, which was very strange because it normally locks, you know, from the inside. and You can unlock it and, and leave. So anyway, it took her hours until the door finally opened. And during this time, she was unable to call anybody because her phone lines were down, her cell phone battery was drained wouldn't charge and so she was stuck in this house and she at uh, towards the end of it before she was able to finally open the door she had asked she said listen are you guys are you guys messing with me what is going on you know I need to go to work so she's kind of talking to herself or slash the spirits about this and that and at that moment she's in the tv the tv is off at that moment the tv started to have that staticky kind of snow look to it it kind of turned it turned on and then inside of the television was the word it looked like a scratch and the word yes appeared on the television i saw she did take a picture of this and i did see it from my own eyes it is absolutely a fact um, my mom is not someone who lies or would embellish so that happened uh, that was probably one of the spookiest things and it creeped her right out her new husband had come home and he opened the door for her. There was nothing wrong with the door. She was just locked from the inside and then had the sighting of the yes scratched into the TV static. So that's my story. <laughs> Love the podcast and can't wait to hopefully hear this story on it. Thanks, Derek. Bye. Thanks, Alex. If you can, find that photo. By all means, please send it in. And that's a good reminder for everyone else as well. If you reference a photo, audio, or video, don't forget to email it to me. Of course, we all want to see it. Now, folks, before we move on, there's just a little bit of time left to order from the merchandise shop to have it there in time for the holidays. So if you need a gift for that Monster Squad member in your life, visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop or click the shop tab at our website, monstersamonguspodcast.com. Now I'm going to drop one more in here before we cut to the ad break. And here's one that'll probably keep you guessing. Chris from Texas. Welcome to the show. 
Hello, my name is Chris, and I live in Austin, Texas. The incident occurred August 8th, around midnight. And what makes this unique is that it affected about four to five neighborhoods. People were tweeting about it. It's on a subreddit, Facebook groups, but still no answers. So let me get to it. We're fairly close to Round Rock, and I was at home downstairs sitting with my dogs watching TV, and I heard a sound at midnight like an airplane flying by, except this didn't go away. It got louder and louder and stranger, and as it got closer, it sounded as if, I don't know if this is the correct term, but it was oscillating. You know, the sound was going round and round, like louder, quiet, louder, quiet. And it didn't sound like a normal plane. It sounded like if you strapped three planes together and opened up the throttle. Maybe that's what it would sound like, but it got closer and closer, and I was terrified. My dog's sitting there looking at me, and... He's like, are we going to die? I'm like, I don't know. And, you know, in my fear, I talked to the dog. And so I decided to wait it out and see what happens, because what can you do if a plane's going to land on your house or crash in the neighborhood? So this gets closer and closer, and the sound just is louder and louder, and, and my windows are shaking, and stuff in my house is shaking, and I'm just waiting for the crash to happen. And it gets right on top of the house. And I'm just holding my breath and just loud and, and louder and louder. And it just stays there. And then it starts to move away. And little by little, it gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And before it's completely out of earshot, it just disappears. So I get calls and texts from people I know all around in these different neighborhoods that are kind of packed together saying, what the hell was that? You know, people posting, one person, she's the, the wife of a pilot, and she was saying that her husband said that, you know, that was wrong, you know, that, that he didn't know what that was. People contacted both airports, there's a private airport and the Austin airport and they didn't have any traffic in our area at that time. There shouldn't have been any planes. So, you know, you go through the logical explanations. Okay, well, maybe it's a plane. Well, okay, a plane shouldn't have been there. Then someone else had posted that there is this weather effect that can make planes sound louder than they are. Well, okay, that would be good if there were supposed to be planes. You know, you could try drone, but then again, no drone is that loud. Uh, unless you're maybe talking about a military drone, but even then, it wouldn't be that loud. So the neighborhood's freaked out. All of the other neighborhoods are freaked out. Everyone's been talking about it. As I said, it happened on the 8th, around midnight, and no one knows what it was, and we have no answers. And yeah, that's the story. I always did want to call in, but with a personal one or something, but I thought this was so unique because tons of people experience this. No one knows what this is. Everyone is super freaked out. The weather was clear. You know, we're going through a heat wave. Uh, Austin's had triple digit weather for over 12 days now, so I don't know what it is. So uh, thank you very much. For the podcast, if this makes it on, great. Uh, if it doesn't, that's okay, too. I still love listening to the show and uh, really appreciate what you do. Thank you, and have a good day. Thanks, Chris. Now, there's something that sounds familiar here. A strange humming sound. A disturbing, unknown noise fell through multiple communities. Taos, New Mexico... Auckland, New Zealand, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, recently parts of New Orleans, and now 
home of the weird, Austin, Texas. Now, for reference, I did some digging and managed to find two examples of other strange droning sounds recorded in the Austin area. First, this one published on December 21st, 2018, by Kiwi on YouTube. Okay, that one's admittedly difficult to hear. But this one, posted by Marcus Juarez29 on YouTube, is much easier to discern. It's 8.35 in the morning here in Austin, Texas. And my mother woke me up telling me that she was hearing this strange sound outside. I came outside to take a look and as you can see there's a weird noise in the sky but there's nothing to be seen. that was posted on February 12th, 2016, and sounds more like what Chris was describing, at least in my opinion. Now to me it sounds like a gas torch that hasn't been ignited yet, just the hollow roar of the gas as it escapes the nozzle. Sort of that hollow hissing sound, which is a little ironic I suppose. After all, most skeptics of the hum are quick to blame gas pipelines for the disturbing towns. Essentially, my gas torch theory in a much more grand scale. But if it's not somehow pipeline related, what else could be responsible? Well, I scoured news reports in Chris's area, Round Rock and surrounding areas, and I just might have found something that we can blame. A mysterious sight appeared in the night sky over Brushy Creek, making some people wonder if they witnessed something otherworldly. Well, that thing's, that's a, that's a UFO for sure. Now, several people sent us videos of a formation of five green lights they saw hovering near their homes Thursday night. At one point, you can see two of the lights speed away from the grouping. The quick coordinated movement suggests the lights likely came from drones. But a British woman visiting Austin said she'd never seen anything like this. It's funny because obviously back in the UK, we kind of know like Americans have a lot of these alien sightings and stuff. And I don't know, I never really believed any of that. But after seeing that last night, I'm, I'm not sure now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we reached out to uh, several astronomy and engineering professors at UT Austin today to get to the bottom of what people saw. But the mystery remains about the source of those lights. Now that one comes to us on behalf of KXAN, NBC News, out of Austin, Texas. So go take a look at the video. I can't say I wouldn't be fooled by that display as well. But after further digging, it seems most experts believe the encounter to be simply a drone formation. At any rate, they say that Austin is weird for many reasons. And thanks to Chris, we just tacked on one more. Thanks again for calling in. Now, while you're busy out there shopping for others this holiday season, why not give yourself a little gift? Try microdosing. All sorts of people, myself included, have found that microdosing helps with pain relief, relaxation, and provides an overall mood lift. Tonight's show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies by Lumi Labs. And Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level dose of THC and CBD for people who want to feel just the right amount of good. Now that's right, I mentioned THC, but before you tense up, keep in mind that Microdose Gummies are completely legal everywhere in the United States. And while these gummies do contain cannabinoids, remember, I'm not talking about getting quote-unquote high in that stereotypical sense. 
I'm talking about entry-level doses to help you chill out, reduce anxiety, and sleep like a baby. So keep the Grinch away this holiday season and check out this sweet deal on your first order. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening, and back to that ooze that's dripping from your ceiling. You know, speaking of UFOs, and piggybacking on what I discussed last week regarding Washington State and their abundance of them, I present to you another testament to the PNW strangeness, both on the ground and in the skies. Here's Jake's entry, man of Washington. Hey Derek, it's Jake. I'm calling from Ellensburg, Washington, where just last week I think I had a weird UFO sighting, I guess. It was uh, about 11.30 at night. I was headed back from my friend's apartment. We had just watched a movie and I was coming home. And the whole time I was driving home, which was only about two to three minutes, I could see this weird light in the sky. It was a red light or two red lights that were stacked closely on top of each other vertically. And it almost looked like like the way they, they were blinking, it looked almost like in the reflection of the light, I could see like a craft. It, it was like, I can't even explain it. It was like they were inside of a three-dimensional object. Like say there was like a cube with lights on the back side of the front panel of the cube and the back of it was open like that that's basically what it looked like in the sky i i tried to look up square three-dimensional hollow ufos like i couldn't find any images or anything which really resembled this i found something in north carolina that happened last year where a guy took pictures of this weird glowing purple prism thingy that kind of looked like what I saw, but it was red and not purple. And anyways, I could see this thing up in the sky the whole time I was driving home, which was about three minutes. It was up west-southwest of my house in an area in the sky that was above Manastash Ridge. So there's no houses or anything like that or any radio towers up there. It's just a mountain. There's nothing there that I could see that would have been uh, like mistakable for a UFO. There's no cell towers, no windmills, because there are wind farms in the area, but it was not a wind farm. I know that for absolute certain, because I see a wind farm every time I drive home to Seattle. Uh, It was not the wind farm, it was not a cell tower, it was not anything else, and it didn't appear to be moving laterally. It looked like it was getting smaller, slightly, so I'm assuming that it was going away from me, I guess, in the direction of Seattle, and which is west. And I went inside when I got home. I went inside and got my roommate who uh, came out, and he kind of saw it, but like it was at that point, it was far enough away that you couldn't really discern any detail from it, like I could when I was driving home. So he didn't really think it was anything because he never saw what I saw before that. So. It was just really weird, and I, the whole time I was driving home, I was freaking out because I had just watched a movie about this girl that gets, like, abducted by aliens and stuff, and it was freaky, and I was like, am I losing my mind here? But it was a, it was a weird story. Again, this is in Ellensburg, Washington, and it was in an area, I guess, the Mel's Hole area. There's, there are UFO sightings reported in that area, so I'm not, I know I'm not the only one that has seen something like that above Manassas Ridge in Ellensburg. But anyways, thanks. We'll be calling in with other stories as they happen. (laughs) Thanks, Jake. You know, it sounds like he's describing another of these cube-shaped UFOs. A rare but interesting variation occasionally reported here and there. I'm going to keep my eye on this Washington UFO connection. Maybe it's just a coincidence that several similar calls came in at the same time. Or... Maybe there's something otherworldly at play here. Either way, we'll get to the bottom of it. Big thanks to you again, Jake. 
for sharing the info. Now guys, the holidays are fast approaching, and I know it's taboo to ask, but I'd love a gift from all of you this holiday season. And I'll tell you exactly what I want. And spoiler alert, it's free, and it's easy. If you enjoy Monsters Among Us and want to see growth, please consider leaving me a rate and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever it is that sort of thing is possible. I really mean it when I say five stars, and a few kind words go a long, long way to help ensure that Monsters Among Us will be here for years to come. So if you're one of those lurkers, those silent listeners, please consider chiming in today. Now this next entry involves a character we all know and fear. James from Maine. Tell us what you saw. Hi, my name is James uh, from Maine. Uh, I've listened to the show for quite a while now, and I've never really heard a story quite like mine involving what it does. It starts off, it was in the middle of the day, over a decade ago, uh, when I was in my late teens. I was traveling along a route that I've gone down back and forth a thousand times. Uh, still to this day, I do. When I was going down the road, I was in the back seat of my father's car. My stepmother was in the passenger seat. As we were passing this field, where at some point they may have had cattle in it uh, or some other animal, but I know for a fact they haven't had them there for a while. Uh, grass was overgrown, and as we're passing it, I just happened to look up to my left, and without a doubt, I know for a fact that I saw the Grim Reaper. He was standing there, I believe it's called a Sith he had in his hand, moved slightly. It was like time slowed down as we were passing. I couldn't believe my eye when I saw it. I don't know why this occurred. I have no idea. I've never seen it again. I know it wasn't a farmer. I know it wasn't anybody out there. I know it wasn't a statue because uh, it was moving. As we passed, if I remember correctly, it kind of followed the car with its head. I know it was close enough to the road to where if my father had seen it or my stepmother had seen it, they would have said something because this was in the middle of the day. It wasn't at night. Nothing crazy going on. It wasn't anywhere near Halloween. And there would be no reason why this person or anybody would be standing in that field to begin with. It's always been a memory of mine. I'm 29 now. I was probably around 14, maybe 15 at the time. I've thought about calling and sharing it multiple times, but I wasn't sure. kind of didn't want to make a fool of myself, but just feel like people probably want to hear it. It was definitely strange. I've had careers where I've been around a lot of death. Uh, I've lost a lot of friends, so I don't know if this was a sign or what it was, but I even got a tattoo of a reaper on the back of my left arm on my tricep. It just felt like it was part of my story. So that's it. Uh, I love the show. That's great. I haven't got my girlfriend to start listening to it. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks, James. We've actually had a couple stories over the years that seem to describe something similar to what James does. For lack of a better term, the Grim Reaper. And I have to admit, I like the way that James embraced his sighting. Getting that tattoo and all. Baller. Do people still say that? That's certainly one way to process one of these odd encounters. And I appreciate that, James. And thanks for being open about the experience. Now then, tonight's closer. And this one is a little weird. It features a quote-unquote monster that is well-known and documented by science. The problem, however, is the location. From my birthland of Ohio... Please, welcome Brian to the program. Hey Derek, my name is Brian, calling from your home state of Ohio. And I have a weird kind of out-of-place animal story. So this took place when I was probably 11, 12 years old. So it would have been 
the late 80s. And I know it was fall because we live out in the country and the cornfields had been already harvested. So it had to have been late fall. And I should probably preface this with saying growing up, I was a huge like animal nerd. I wanted to be the next Jack Hanna growing up. I had like books and posters and, you know, if it had anything to do with animals, I was all about it. So we were driving home past a little regional airport in Galloway, Ohio. And I look out in the field because, you know, mom's driving, I'm in the back seat. And I see, at first I thought it was a deer. It was the same reddish brown color, had the size. But the more I looked at it, the weirder it got. The legs were really long, but it appeared to be some sort of dog. And then the head was too small. It almost looked like a cat's head on this thing. And it had a mane, like a dark colored mane. So it just didn't look like anything I'd ever seen or heard of. My mind went to hyena, but it wasn't a hyena. It had a long tail and the color was wrong. So I was completely flabbergasted by what this could be. I actually, you know, my mom didn't see it. She was driving. So I pestered her and my father both for a couple of days to contact the local, you know, the park service because there were a lot of parks in the area or ODNR to report this, but they thought I was just a kid imagining things. So I just let it go. I never really told anybody else about it because they didn't believe me or why would anybody else, right? But every time since then I've driven past there, I've always looked in the same spot just to see if there's anything else there. Fast forward a few years and I'm in college and I'm working on something for a biology report and I almost had a heart attack because I saw something I never thought I would see. It was this animal. It was called a maned wolf. And I was completely shocked. There should be no maned wolves in Ohio. They're a South American animal. So my only guess would be that one escaped from a private zoo, private collector. I know there have been several issues of that, especially in Ohio where people have released animals into the wild. So that's my only guess that makes any sense. I, I have a hard time believing one would migrate this far north. But that's my story. Thanks. Thanks, Brian, for the entry. Now let's start off with the elephant in the room. Every time I share a story like this, I always get a handful of comments. Listeners that are upset claiming the phenomena is not paranormal in nature. Well, as I always do, I'm here to defend my stance here. Cases like Brian's certainly are supernatural. It's a phenomenon known as out-of-place animals and can be just as spooky as the notion of Bigfoot in the backyard. Imagine an apex predator, loose and unaccounted for, somewhere in your neighborhood. Meet a big cat, big canine, big snake, or something unconventional, like a phantom kangaroo or midwestern octopus. Now these animal mysteries are some of my favorite stories, and Brian's here is no different. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to break this one down. First off, the maned wolf, the creature Brian claimed to see, well, it can only be found in a relatively small bit of Central South America, mostly within the country of Brazil. It's a red canine, resembling a red fox, but with an odd attribute. Although the wolf only weighs about 50 pounds, it stands over three feet at the shoulder a feat achieved by its cartoonishly long legs. Now, it's not an easy animal to misidentify. Links in the show notes if you want to take a look. Or just Google maned wolf. Now, obviously, we know it shouldn't be found in the fields of Ohio. But if that's what Brian saw, how the hell did it get there? Now, Brian's suggestion that a private owner releasing the creature is a likely scenario. That's something I can agree with. That's because states like Alabama, Nevada, North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and until recently Ohio, 
have little to no restrictions on owning exotic animals, such as the maned wolf. And the problem with private ownership is that sometimes things can go terribly wrong. Deputies in Muskingum County shot and killed 48 exotic animals, including Bengal tigers, bears, wolves, and lions. Owner Terry Thompson set them all free before committing suicide. Six other animals were captured and were quickly placed under quarantine at the Columbus Zoo. Now that's one of my home channels, WCMH, NBC News 4, out of Columbus. And that tragic event took place just outside my hometown. In fact, I drove by it just yesterday. And as my dad and I sat in a car discussing the events, he filled me in on a little information I wasn't aware of. Before his recent retirement, he ran a route delivering uniforms to local businesses. And at one point, he delivered to Terry Thompson's motorcycle shop. What a small world. Well, anyway, I say that Ohio used to have little to no laws regulating this sort of thing because shortly after this incident with Thompson, the state passed more strict laws to keep this sort of thing from happening again. But private owners aren't the only source of exotic animals in places like Ohio. And they're also not the only ones to have animals escape. A wolf that escaped its habitat at the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. Well, it's been recaptured. So there you have it. Take a look at this photo captured by a zoo guest. It shows a Mexican gray wolf just wandering around freely through the park. That led to some real scary moments for parents with small kids. But zoo officials, they acted quickly. They ushered visitors to safety while tranquilizing the four-year-old wolf. And thankfully, nobody hurt. An investigation onto how that animal escaped its habitat is underway. Now that one, courtesy of the Today Show. Now coincidentally, Brian's encounter, the wolf escape, and the animal massacre in Zanesville all took place within two hours of one another. So if you find yourself in the Buckeye State, keep your eyes open. Thanks to human interference, you never know what you're going to run into there. Oh, and if you want to know more about the Zanesville massacre... I've linked to a pretty good documentary on the subject. Go watch for free. It's good stuff. And thanks for the good stuff, Brian. I too was an animal nut and big Jungle Jack Anna fan. I get it. And thanks again for the entry. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media is used under the protection of fair use. Please do us a favor and follow us on social media. Give us a like and follow at YouTube while you're at it. And while you're clicking around with your mouse, go ahead and leave us a nice rate and review on Apple iTunes or Spotify or wherever you can. Now finally this evening, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.AG Music, and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. Tonight's hidden entry might be one of the most unsettling accounts I've ever shared on the show. So good luck getting this one out of your head. Anonymous from California. Welcome to the show. Hi, Derek. I'm calling from Southern California, and I'm just going to stay anonymous on this one if that's okay. This is the first time I'm going to talk about this, 
and it's a COVID related monster, I guess you want to call it. So, you know, I'm not a moron. I got all my vaxes really early and it seemed to work. It took me a couple of years before I finally got COVID. And when I did, I knew it was going to hit me hard, regardless of being vaxxed or not. When I get a cold, it takes me out for at least two to three days. So that's what happened. COVID hit me. I was laid up in bed for two or three days, working from home, blah, blah, blah. Nothing, nothing special. After about two or three weeks, I was better. But it just kind of was like 90% better. I wasn't full 100% better. And it just didn't seem to be attainable for a while. It seemed to affect my emotions. It seemed to affect my uh, decision-making. I felt like I was in the cloud. I was outside of myself. It was very odd. So I kept kind of having a little cold afterwards. And it just bugged the crap out of me. And probably a month after I was probably first diagnosed with COVID. I don't mean to say probably. I sound like an idiot. When I was first diagnosed with COVID about a month after... I was having, you know, a late night, I don't want to say allergy, but uh, sneeze, uh, you know, booger attack, like super stuffed up, just pouring out of my nose. Couldn't believe what's going on. And I went to the bathroom and I don't want to sound gross. Okay, this is going to get kind of detail-y, but that's, that's the essence of the story. I kept blowing my nose and finally I blew so hard that whatever it is was inside me came out. And when I looked at it, it was alive. I don't know what else to say. It was moving. It looked like a little booger man, kind of mixed with maybe, you ever saw the Matrix, like that little freaking shrimp thing that they put in his belly button. All it looked like that, but really small. Tentacly, it looked like it was terrifying, but I didn't know what to do. It was like 3 a.m. I was stunned and shocked. My nose was instantly clear. My brain was clear. I crushed it, heard it crunch in the toilet paper, flushed it, went back to bed and, and couldn't believe what just happened. So yeah, man, COVID booger, man. I don't know what else to say. I'm still kind of traumatized by it. I was really apprehensive making this call because I thought I was dreaming. After thinking about it, I wasn't dreaming. So COVID monster booger, man, in your nose, keeping you sick. Watch out. Thanks, Eric. Really appreciate you letting me tell my weird story because I couldn't tell anybody else. Love you guys. Thanks, caller. Sweet baby Jesus, that's disturbing. Now, I did a little digging and wasn't able to find any other stories that correlated with this one. Although something tells me they're probably out there. So what do you say, dear listener? If you have some sort of insight, I'd love to hear it. Call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 888-608-N-I-G-H-T. Now, folks, as you can probably hear, I'm struggling to get this recorded here this evening. So I think tonight's Beyond episode will be postponed. I'll do my best to try to get that out to you guys tomorrow. My apologies, but I'll do my best to make it up to you. But until then, good night, everyone.